you would please turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We will begin in Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. Uh, yet again, congratulations to our seniors who are graduating high school, getting ready for their next steps in life. Uh, as I was thinking about their graduation, it reminded me of my favorite thing to do when I was in youth group. Okay, growing up in Oklahoma, one of the things we did every summer is we would take a float trip down a river in eastern Oklahoma. So we'd get up very early one morning, we would drive a couple hours to this river, uh, we would get in canoes, we'd float down the river all day, and it was a whole lot of fun. Um, on this river, there were these great swimming spots, and you'd get out and you'd swing on the rope swings and do crazy things into the water, it was great. The highlight of the whole thing, though, was tipping over my sister's canoe every year. I mean, there's just great things you could do on a float trip. I loved it. Okay, and what was going on when you were on the river is you would spend all day floating slowly, and it was a very slow-moving river. You never really felt like you were going very far. But then at the end of the day, you would get out of the river at the stopping point, you'd get in a van, drive back to where you started, and you realized it was miles and miles and miles that you had floated down the river during the day. It didn't feel like it at the time because you moved so slowly, but in reality, you traveled farther than you ever imagined possible. Okay, a lot of things in life work that way. Okay, there's a slow drift. You don't realize how far you're going until suddenly you look up and you see just how far you've gone. Okay, just yesterday we woke up to a four-year-old in our house and I'm thinking, wasn't it just yesterday we were bringing that kid home from the hospital, right? It goes fast. It's a slow drift. You ever do the thing where you think, okay, I'm going to read just a few more pages of this book, or I'm going to watch just a few more minutes of a show, or um, I'm just going to play till the next level on a video game. Suddenly you look up and it's 2 a.m. Any of you ever do that? Okay, a few of you will admit to it. All right. You just kind of drifted somewhere you never meant to go. Okay, the last time we were in Hebrews, we talked about how vital it is for us as disciples of Jesus Christ to listen carefully to the Word of God. The book of Hebrews starts, he says, you want to be in a right relationship with Jesus? It starts, it always starts by listening carefully to the Word. Okay, now we hit chapter 2, and notice his metaphor. Notice the imagery our author uses. And he comes back to this over and over through the book. It's the image of drifting. He says, if we don't pay careful attention to the Word of God, then what happens is over time we will drift. It is a slow drift. You don't even notice you're moving, but then you look up one day and realize that you are far away from where you wanted to be. Okay, notice chapter 2 starting in verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we, we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Okay, the vast majority of people who will leave Christianity do so very slowly. They do it by drifting away. 
Now, occasionally something will happen in life. You'll go through a big trauma. You'll lose a loved one. Some other big sickness comes around. Some big life event happens and people abandon their faith. Okay, sometimes people will convert to another religion. Okay, but those things are always the exception. Okay, usually what happens is we become adults. We get busy. Lots of other things are going on in our lives. Church attendance becomes kind of spotty. We are not attending to our spiritual disciplines. We're not praying like we should. We're not reading the Bible regularly. We don't remember the last time we fasted. And then we look up one day and realize, yes, we still believe in Jesus, but we are in no real way living as disciples in the kingdom of God. Okay, These people would still call themselves Christians, still be generally nice people, Okay, but in no way living lives dedicated to furthering the kingdom of God. What happens is people drift away from their church family. They do it very slowly. They wake up one day and suddenly find themselves farther away from God than they ever imagined was possible. The book of Hebrews does not warn against a sharp turn away from Jesus. Okay, what happens in Hebrews over and over again is it's cautioning us against a slow drift. All right, it's really hard to get good data, uh, even though a lot of studies have been done. Part of the reason it's hard to get good data is because it's hard to know exactly who to count and how to count people. Right, but the numbers indicate that approximately one in four active youth group kids, okay, I'm talking kids who are raised in church, who are regularly going to the events, who are in the pew every Sunday, one in four who will graduate on a senior Sunday will not be attending any church at all by the time they are in their mid-twenties. Okay? We actually lose more than 50% of our kids that graduate from churches across the board Okay, but some of those come back to us when they hit their mid-twenties and start having children of their own. Okay, but the number of people that we permanently lose who are raised in church is about 25%, and that number is on the rise. Okay, I look at the youth group at the church I grew up in and see a lot of those kids who are not in church anymore. And as a parent, my biggest fear is that after my children are grown, after I can't make them come to church anymore that they will leave the faith. Right, and you and I both know this is not a phenomenon that's just limited to teenagers. Okay, how many of you have friends, people you have known, who as adults slowly kind of drifted away from church? Okay, they used to be core members, they used to be there, they used to be involved, they used to have ministries that they were a part of, they used to be on fire for Jesus Christ, and then for whatever the reasons were that were going on in their lives, they just sort of drifted away. You ever known anybody that done that? Okay, I see six people are nodding at me, all right? Okay, so here's my question for us this morning. And don't underestimate the importance of this question. But here's the question. How do we keep that from being us? Okay, how do we keep from drifting away? How do we make it so that in our own walk with Jesus, we don't look up one day and realize what happened? Where did I go? How come I'm not on fire for the Lord like I used to be? How do you and I keep from drifting? All right, I've got two thoughts for you this morning. Write these down if you're taking notes. The first one is this. That is, we need to have a clear vision for where we're going. Okay, we need to have a clear picture in our minds of where we want to go. All right, in this first section of Hebrews, uh, specifically the last part of chapter 3 and all the way through the first part of chapter 4, 
the author reminds his readers, he reminds us of the story of the Israelites. He says, you remember the Israelites when they left Egypt, when they went through the Exodus and they started their journey towards the promised land. And he's using this as a sermon illustration of what not to do. Okay, you remember that story, right? You remember the, the Exodus story? Okay, the people came out of Egyptian slavery after witnessing how many plagues? Ten. Okay, you do remember the story. This is good. Right, in each and every one of those plagues, it was an intentional shot at an Egyptian god. Okay, in Egypt, they worshipped the Nile River, they worshipped the sun, they worshipped Pharaoh himself, they worshipped frogs. Every plague is God showing that the God of Israel is stronger than the God of Egypt. Okay, so finally Pharaoh lets the people go, and when they all march out of Egypt, they get to the edge of the Red Sea, what happens? Okay, did they swim across the sea? Okay, did they build boats and sail across the sea? Did they fly across the sea? No, what happens? God parts the waters. The people walk across on dry ground. When the Egyptian army all goes to follow, they're all drowned in the sea. Okay, one of the best songs in all of Scripture is Exodus chapter 15, where we sing this awesome song of faith to the Lord God Almighty. Okay, and if you read the story through to that part and stopped at chapter 15, you would think these people have more faith than anybody. Can you imagine how much faith you would have if you had watched all ten plagues and then walked across the sea on dry ground, watched the mightiest army in the world drown? You would think there is absolutely nothing that could ever shake my faith in the God that did that. But what happened to those people? Okay, when they go into the desert, they're heading for the promised land. And are they happy and content on their journey? No. They grumble. They complain. It's hot. We're tired. We're hungry. Okay, and when they finally get to the promised land, they see fortified cities. They see big armies. They see all the ites that are living in this land. And they say, better, Moses, if we had died back in Egypt. All right, here's the point Hebrews makes. He says, if those people had listened to God, if they had stayed focused on the promises... Right? If they had thought, okay, we're going to the promised land and God is taking us there and it doesn't matter what happens between now and then, we know where we're going. If they'd stayed focused on that, God would have blessed them abundantly. They would have prospered. Okay, but what happened instead? They all died in the wilderness because instead of keeping their vision on God, they kept their vision on Egypt, on their discomforts, and on all the Canaanites and cities like Jericho, right? What was right in front of them seemed important, and so they forgot all about the life-giving Word of God. Okay, go to that next slide. Now, aren't you glad that we would never do that, right? Okay, but what do we do? We don't see Canaanites and rivers, Okay, but in our lives, we see busy schedules, we have our financial worries, we have relationships that aren't going the way we want them to, we have health concerns, okay, whatever else is crowding our vision, and what happens inevitably is we start focusing on what's important in our lives rather than seeing God's promises. Okay, we lose our vision, and when we lose our vision, we drift, and when we drift, we look up one day, find ourselves far away from God, find ourselves in a place we never thought we could be. Right? And again, don't ever think that this could never happen to me. 
Right? I guarantee you that the people who witnessed the parting of the Red Sea never thought that they could lose faith in God, and yet they did. All right, so here's a message to our graduates this morning. Uh, your hopes and your dreams for this life will change. Right, whenever I graduated from high school, I knew several things. I remember sitting at my senior Sunday, and we had to wear our cap and gown senior Sunday, so consider yourself blessed that you don't have to do that. Okay, but I knew when I graduated, there was a couple things that were going to happen. One, I was going to be a mechanical engineer. I had it all figured out, knew where I was going to college, knew what I was going to major in. I was going to get out in four years, and then I was going to be rich. Okay? I was going to be a mechanical engineer. I was going to be very rich. And I also knew that no matter what happened, I was never going to have the kind of job where I had to stand up and talk in front of people. Okay? It was not going to happen. Also, I was going to stay in Oklahoma, right? I knew what my life was going to look like. I knew what my hopes and dreams were. What happens? Okay? Your vision for what you will do in this life will inevitably change. Okay? Most of you will change your major at least once. None of us, I don't care how old you are sitting here this morning, none of us knows what life will look like 5, 10, 15 years from now. Okay, but if you will keep your vision for who you want to be as a child of God, and if you decide that that is the controlling vision for your life, and if you decide that no matter what you do, where you go, who you marry, what your life looks like, if you decide that you will always put God's kingdom first... Okay, that vision can carry you through anything. Right, are we focused on God's promises? Are we really focused on who we are as children of God? All right, so for all of us this morning, I want to ask a question. Okay, do you have a vision for where you're going? Okay, do you know what your life is supposed to look like, spiritually speaking? Okay, I don't know what your circumstances are. Circumstances change. I don't really care about the circumstances of your life right now. What I'm asking is, do you have a spiritual vision for where you're going? Okay, I've got a lot of goals for my life. I've got financial goals. I've got health goals. I've got family goals. There's a lot of things that I have planned to do with my life. Do I have an intentional plan for what I want to be doing as a ministry for God's kingdom in a year from now, in five years from now, in ten years from now? Okay, don't be so busy making plans for all of the important things in life that you forget to make spiritual plans for who you want to be as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If we don't have a clear vision for where we want to go as disciples of Jesus, we will drift. We will look up one day surprised at how far we've moved away from God. All right. The second way we keep from drifting is we need to understand the consequences of falling away. Okay, we need to understand what's at stake. We need to understand what it means if we drift away from God. Okay, notice in chapter 10... He returns to this topic, 10 verse 23. He says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. 
Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And he goes on to talk about how he hopes for better things for the people reading this letter. Right? He hopes for better things for the church. God is always there for us, but if we move ourselves away far enough from God, we can expect nothing but the wrath of God. You know, I'm always teaching my boys about consequences, okay? Everything you do, there's a consequence for it, okay? When you disobey your parents, there's a consequence, okay? Sam, if you don't eat your dinner, you can't have anything sweet to eat later. There's a consequence to that choice, okay? Luke, if you don't finish your homework, then you're going to just go to bed. You're not playing with anything until you finish your homework. There's consequences to your choices, okay? Sam tried to turn the tables on me the other day. Okay? He asked me to make him a sandwich. I said, I will in a few minutes. And he said, Dad, if you don't make me a sandwich right now, I will be very frustrated with you. Okay? There's consequences, right? I looked at him and said, I'll risk it. Right? Okay? But actions have consequences. At least six different times in the book of Hebrews, the author reminds this group of Christians That the consequence for drifting away from God, for leaving God's people, are the most serious consequences of all. I cannot say this any plainer than Hebrews chapter 10 does. He's telling us you can either be a disciple of Jesus and you can pursue Jesus with your life, or you can expect to face judgment and the wrath of God. There are only two possibilities for your life. Drifting away from God has eternal consequences. Now, uh, when I was growing up, sometimes I would hear Hebrews chapter 10, 25 used very inappropriately uh, as the don't ever skip church verse, right? As if God is sitting up with a checklist and saying, okay, here's your church attendance, and so long as you got three marks a week, because we had to have three marks a week, right? So long as you get your three marks a week, then you get to go to heaven, but if you don't, then you're going to hell. Okay, that's not what this verse is about. Okay, you only can get to heaven by the grace of God. Okay, but the point he's making is, is if we truly believe in that grace, right? if we truly understand the sacrifice of Jesus, which he spends the last several chapters talking about, what happens when Jesus goes to the cross to die for us, if we truly grasp what God has done for us, then we will want to spend our lives in the pursuit of God's kingdom. We will want to be with God's people as much as we can be. We will want to demonstrate with our lives our commitment to Jesus, to his people, to the bride of Christ itself. One of my pet peeves, something I hear a lot, uh, is people say, oh, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. You ever heard that before? Okay, That's an excuse. Okay, No church is perfect. But there's no other place to be a Christian. Okay? And you cannot say that you love Jesus, but you don't like his people. Right? The church is the bride of Christ. Okay? And you can't tell me that you like me, but you don't like my wife. Right? That's not going to go over really well. Now, a lot of you tell me you like my wife and you don't like me. That's a different story. 
Okay, but if we claim to love Jesus, then we also have to claim to love his church. They go together. You cannot separate the two of those things out from each other. You're either for it or you're against it. All right, I understand uh, that what I'm about to ask you to imagine could be dangerous, so don't take this next exercise too far. Okay, but I want you to imagine a world for just a moment in which there were no negative consequences to your actions. Okay? Close your eyes for a second if that helps you imagine this. But I want you to imagine you can go out now and do anything in the world that you possibly want to do. And there are absolutely no negative consequences. Nothing bad will happen to you. You will not be arrested. Uh, Nothing bad will happen to your health or your body. There are no consequences. Okay? What would you do once we said amen and you left? Okay? How many of you would rob a bank? Maybe it says something about my character that that's the first thing I thought of, right? How many of you would pig out, okay? How many of you would start telling some people, uh, maybe your boss, maybe your mother-in-law, what you really think about them, okay? All right, I I don't think I would go crazy with it, uh, but I would definitely drive a whole lot faster. Uh, I would quit paying bills, I would stay up a lot later at night, uh, and there were some people in my life I would definitely talk to differently, okay? But I don't do those things. I drive at least relatively close to the speed limit, okay? Why? Because I want to be safe, okay? I do pay my bills. Why? Because I don't want them turning off my lights. I don't want them foreclosing on my house, right? Okay, I don't stay up all night. Why? Why? Because I don't want to be tired during the day. Okay, I don't talk to everyone as bluntly as I would sometimes like. Why? Okay, because I care about other people's feelings. And maybe it's pride, but I do want other people to like me, right? All of our actions have consequences. We know this. We live life as if all of our actions have consequences. But what sometimes happens is that we don't think about spiritual consequences. It's easy to think if I speed, I'm going to get a ticket. It's a lot harder to think, well, if I quit going to church, there's eternal consequences associated with that. Okay? We see the consequences that are happening right around us in our lives, but often we live as if there are no spiritual consequences at all. It doesn't make any sense to live life as if there's no consequence. It makes absolutely no sense to think that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but then live your spiritual life as if there are no consequences at all. We need to be on our guard against drifting away. We need to love Jesus. We need to pursue him with all our heart, all our minds, all our soul, all our strength. We need to have spiritual goals. We need to think about where we're going as people who are following Jesus. What does it look like in my life if I wake up five years from now to love Jesus more then than I do today? What are the things that I want to be doing for the kingdom of God in the years to come? And how do I get started on that right now? What's the kind of man that I want to be for my sons, for my wife, for you? What does it look like for me to start pursuing those things with all my heart? So commit to Jesus today. Make some spiritual goals today. If you found yourself drifting, God is always there for you. God has never moved, and he's always ready to take you back into his family. So at this time in our service, we are going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. And during the singing of this song, we as a church are here for you. During this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. We would love to talk with you or pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. Uh, Good or bad, we are that family. We want to be here for each other. 
And during this song, it's a time for us to be here for you. Before we sing that song, though, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Come now while we stand and sing.